I'm Pastor Aaron Shepherd, and you're listening to the sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church, a caring community connected through God, loving and serving all along life's journey. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10:15 a.m. in our sanctuary at 55 Rhodes Avenue, next to Bird Park in East Walpole, Massachusetts. You can also join us from anywhere online via our live stream by visiting facebook.com slash churchbythepark. For more information about our church and its ministries, visit churchbythepark.org. Now here's this week's message. The first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of this word. Our second scripture reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans in the fifth chapter, verses 8 through 11. Let's continue listening for God's word for us this morning. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's word for God's people here today. Thanks be to God. Today we are continuing in the series of sermons called Relent, a series about the season of Lent and what God is calling us to do in it. On the Monday before Ash Wednesday, so before Lent began, our church cabinet met for our March meeting. At the beginning of that meeting, I shared a devotional from Father Greg Boyle's book, The Whole Language, and I'd like to share it with you here this morning as well. Towards the beginning of the book, Father Boyle has this to say regarding Lent. He says, we have this image of Jesus spending 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, the precursor of our 40 days of Lent. It supplies us with Polaroids like the dark night of the soul, a grumbling stomach, 
wild wilderness animals, plagues of self-doubt, anguish, and torment, Jesus wondering if he should give up both scotch and chocolate for Lent. A true test. Yet I suspect that throughout those 40 days in the wilderness, it was all mainly God saying tenderly, you're here. And Jesus not really knowing what else to say in response, but you're here. Father Boyle says, God meets our intensity of longing with intensity of longing. Turns out, the tender one whom we long for, longs for us. I think you can hear that intensity of longing in the story of those ten lepers. Not leopards, lepers. They've been cast out of their homes and their communities because of this disease that afflicts them, this highly contagious disease that passes through touch, so they've been made untouchable. And they've formed together this group, this strange new community, but it's a community of desperation. In the in-between place, the wilderness between Galilee and Samaria. When they see Jesus approaching, they don't politely ask him if he can maybe think about helping them out. It says they don't just call out, they cry out to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then it turns out the Master, the tender one, Jesus, whom they long for intensely, has longed just as intensely to heal them. Whatever the intensity of our need, our longing for healness and wholeness, God longs to meet that intensity with grace and indeed to exceed our expectations. When Jesus heals these ten lepers, it is a bit unusual. We're used to seeing Jesus lay his hands on people or to have people come and lay their hands on him to receive his healing power through touch. But here Jesus heals them from a distance. He sends them away to the priests. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And it says, as they are going, the healing comes over them on the way. How's that work? <laughs> well, remember that Jesus himself, it says this right at the beginning of the story. You might have missed it. It says in verse 11, Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. He's on the way to Jerusalem to face his fate. He is there to confront the very priests he is sending these lepers to go and see with their hypocrisy and his divinity. Of course, the events of Jerusalem, those tumultuous events of Holy Week, those are still before us in this Lenten season. But here, Jesus is on the way. And here, on the way, Jesus saves the words of Paul in his letter to the Roman church are a reminder that Christ's saving grace interrupts our lives. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and set our lives on a new course, putting us on a different path. In proclaiming the good news of salvation, Jesus directs us where to go and what to do. He tells us to honor God and love our neighbors, to live the radical love and justice of Jesus. But more than that, once we begin to live in this new way, Jesus promises that the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit 
that was working in him and through him when he was laying his hands on people, that that spirit will come and fill us as well. Body and soul will breathe it in like the deepest breath you've ever taken. And when we experience that rush, that sense of purpose and being well that comes over us, Paul writes that we boast in God. We boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we give credit where credit is due. We attend to the real sources of life and health and well-being on the journey of life. The ten lepers all accepted Jesus' invitation. That's all it was, an invitation to join him on the way to Jerusalem. To be with Jesus on the way is what we mean when we say that we trust in Jesus Christ, who after all called himself the way, the truth, and the life. Now picture those ten lepers making their way down the road to Jerusalem. They're headed there to see the priests. Jesus would have still been on his way too, but everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. There were always people in need, so he probably was not making good time. But you got to imagine those lepers had a little extra pep in their step, knowing that there was healing at the other end of this journey. And then, all of a sudden, Right there on the way, their disease is healed. The sores and the scabs fall away, leaving only spotless and healthy skin behind. And then there's this moment, the literal turning point in the story right in the middle of it. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He saw that he was healed. He recognized it and, and attended to that fact. The others went on, but he saw that he was healed and he turned back. In other words, he noticed the notice of God. That again comes from Father Greg's devotion in the whole language. He says, maybe the desert is really a time to notice the notice of God. There we hear and receive the tender grace of God. And like Jesus, we acquiesce to that tenderness. We realize that heaven was not the goal for Jesus, but loving was his goal. We come to see that to follow Jesus is to change our understanding of who God is. In other words, in the wilderness, in that in-between place, on the way, that is where, especially, we can notice the notice of God something wonderful, something mysterious, something beautiful. This season, uh, this season in which we choose to dwell figuratively in the wilderness, this season of Lent, it's also described as a season of repentance. And the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which means to change one's mind, but more literally it means to turn one's mind, to turn around. And that's what we see. We see that taking notice leads not only to a change in the leper's body, but a change of mind and a change of heart, a turning back, a return to Jesus. Unlike the others who go on on their journey, the leper takes notice of the notice of God. 
that he has been favored with healing, and he turns around. Father Greg wraps up his discussion of noticing the notice of God with a scene from the day, a day in the life of his ministry, uh, Homeboy Industries, which provides support services and employment for ex-cons and ex-gang members. He says, two part-timers at Homeboy were kicking it in my office. Their shift is over, and they'd rather stay there than go home. I notice them, he says. I will admit that doesn't always happen, but I'm filled when it does. How do you guys turn out so good, I asked them. It's what God wanted for us, one of them says. That's right, says the other, not just us, but for everybody. Notice the notice of God, Father Boyle concludes, and with any luck, we start to notice each other. It was the will of God in this gospel story that all ten of those lepers would be healed, right? That everybody, that everybody deserves that healing, that wholeness, whether they notice it or not. It's just the way we were built. We were built to receive God's tenderness and kindness. We were built to belong to God and in turn then to belong to one another. But such is life that we often fall short of recognizing God's presence. Just as Father Boyle says, uh, he admits, right? It doesn't always happen that we notice. Maybe it's because we're too focused on our own individual successes, what's right in front of our faces in our own particular lives. Or maybe, as we heard a couple weeks ago in the story of Mary and Martha that uh, Penny so wonderfully preached for us, um, maybe it's that we are distracted by many things, as Martha was. Maybe it's just that we are blinded and bombarded by all the lights and the sounds of this cacophonous world in which we live. Right? Where, where screens bear news and opinions and narratives tailored to grab our attention and not to let it go. There are all sorts of reasons we don't notice the notice of God. We fail to see the beauty and the mystery in life. In his book, Stolen Focus, the writer Johan Hari talks about visiting uh, the Blue Lagoon in Iceland. It's this uh, lake that's heated by geothermal vents. And so it's the, it's the temperature of a warm bath. And you could sit in this lake and the snow will be falling above and it dissolves into the steam. And as he's sitting there just marveling at this amazing and strange and wonderful place, he looks around and he says that he noticed that he was surrounded by people wielding selfie sticks. They had all put their phones into waterproof casings and they were frantically posing and posting pictures of themselves. Several of them were even live streaming on Instagram. I wondered, Hari says, if the motto for our era should be, I tried to live, but I got distracted. I tried to live, but I got distracted. I tried to notice God, but I got distracted. Has that ever happened to anyone here? I know it happened to me. It happens to me all the time. As the gospel shows us, this is not a new problem. In fact, the odds are stacked in favor of those who are too distracted to notice the notice of God. Nine out of ten 
of the lepers fail to notice the notice of God. They just keep on pushing ahead towards what's right in front of them. The American philosopher William James, uh, in his foundational work, The Principles of Psychology, asserts that, that how we experience the world around us is really a matter of what we pay attention to. He says, my experience is what I agree to attend to. Only those items which I notice shape my mind. Without selective interest, experience is utter chaos. In other words, we have to really focus our attention to be able to, to tune out all of the noise of the world. When we choose not, however, to agree to attend to the reality of God's grace, to attend to the love of Jesus Christ alive in us through faith, when we neglect things like the lessons of Scripture, not only does the grace and tenderness of God seem to fade away and become part of that background noise, eventually we just become attuned to attend to the world as though God were not there at all. And we may not notice this right away. Again, I, perhaps it was just that those nine didn't notice that they had been healed. We may not notice because, again, we're surrounded by those flashing lights. We're surrounded by the pressing matters of the moment. But ultimately, in the fullness of time, that is when we come to know and lament the absence of those moments of beauty and mystery. It's for this reason that God wisely sets aside one day of the week for rest and refocusing. You see, God knew humankind well enough to know that left to ourselves, we would all just work ourselves to death, that we would be distracted by many things, that we would fail to take notice of the notice of God. And so... God created us to need rest, to need rest in our bodies, to need sleep, but also to need, to need in our very being the wholeness that we only find when we notice the notice of God. And so that's why we, that's part of the reason why we do this, right? We come week in and week out to hear the same good news over and over again, not because we don't know it, but because we need to be reminded of it. Because when we are reminded of it, we start to take notice. We are provoked, we are prompt, we are goaded into noticing the notice of God. And that's why it's important that we, we take this time. And it's a commitment, it's a sacrifice. One of the things William James notes about attention is he says that when you attend to something, when you focus your attention on it, you have to withdraw your focus from other things. Though James himself was not a church-going man, he was perpetually curious about this, this transcendent aspect of our lives, this religious aspect. And a friend of his uh, was Oliver Wendell Holmes, uh, the, the American jurist, and he, he once joked that James... James would turn down the lights in a room so that miracles could happen there. And perhaps he was onto something, because when you turn down the lights, our pupils dilate, they expand, so that they can take in more light. In withdrawing from the light into darkness, we actually come to see more than we would otherwise. 
And that is, I think, the main purpose behind the Lenten fast. It is to choose the wilderness, to choose darkness, so that our senses and sensibilities may be more deeply attuned to the light of Christ that shines all around us and in us and through us into the world. Something like that is what happened when that Samaritan ex-leper realized that he had been changed. When he came to his senses and realized that all of the degradation that had come with this disease that had afflicted his body, all of the removal from his community that it had occasioned, all of that had been reversed. And now not only was he restored to his full bodily self, he was restored to his full self in community. And it wasn't just that it wasn't just that he saw he was healed. He took notice of the notice of God. Thank you, Lori. Calvin's Calvin's singing with the choir downstairs. In that moment, this Samaritan, this one out of ten, this foreigner, this other, he was the one who realized a reality larger than himself. He experienced it in his body. He experienced that tender grace that goes beyond and beneath the material and indeed sets the whole universe singing, as Bach would have it. And so in this season of repentance, we are called to join in that story, that story of salvation, by turning ourselves around and seeing the glorious tenderness of God that is alive in Jesus Christ. Because when we turn around, we let ourselves face where we have been, we face the darkness that may be lying around us, but we also come to see the light that is present. Turning around, we begin to attend to what matters beyond the material. Turning around, we notice the notice of God. And in noticing God, we notice each other. We see in our neighbors a vision of Christ a vision of care and concern for a hurting world, a vision of joy and celebration. We see the gift that our lives are. And so we praise God with a loud voice. Alleluia. Thank you for listening. I hope that God's word has come alive and blessed you today. If you want more information about Union Congregational Church, once again, feel free to come and visit us on Sunday morning or online at our website, churchbythepark.org.